0: And we're live with the Chester Sky Show. Today's guest is Jim McLeese, stand-up comedian, writer, instructor on comedy, actor, and a whole bunch of things.
1: Chester, I just want to point out you are the 1241st person to get my name
0: wrong. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay, let's let's stop that and maybe do it again. No, no,
1: this will be funny. (laughs) Um. It, so it's McAleese uh, and, and the reason why it, It's spelled M-C M-C-A, M-c-a but yeah. The reason why it's pronounced Mac Is because uh, The C uh, Is followed by a vowel okay. So that's how you know So it's McElhargy You know But it's uh, McGillicuddy
0: hmm.
1: Right So G is not a vowel
0: Do you want to do this again then? Uh, I'll just... No,
1: that's That's uh, <laughs> I think it's funny. Oh, I get yeah. it wrong all the time. I,
0: I, <laughs> Did that I happen when you went on talk shows?
1: My favorite is the Italian one, uh, Macalisi. So, uh, and I got Macalese, that all through high school, yeah. They, we
0: had, they do that on talk shows as well. They just bump, completely get it wrong.
1: Oh, I've gotten that. Is, and some people are so nervous at a show, they go, go, uh, here's our next guest. Here's Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> That works. Okay, thank you for that great introduction. And so I spell it G-Y-M, folks. And that makes the audience think a bit, and then I lose them.
0: <laughs> yeah, you. well, you've been doing comedy for, what, how many years? 30 years? 1979 nine? Year Seventy nine.
1: I started. In June of 79, so 41 years.
0: 41 years. And you started, yeah. like, a month before Jim Carrey, right? No, a month, about a month after. He actually started after.
1: before me. He was, like, 15 years old at the time. Oh yeah. At the same club in downtown Toronto at Yuck Yucks. And, uh, so we were friends in the early days and then he went to Hollywood doing a big star. And I just said, well, so I just wait here then. So, (laughs) 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 and, uh, so I haven't seen him since, um, since his movies hit big, you know, um, I've gone completely blank What's the name of his movie That made him famous Ace Ventura
0: uh, Oh I and thought it was a mask. mask But yeah yeah I guess yeah. That
1: was too. And so um, I haven't seen him since then That's how long it's been So
0: Yeah What was it like Would you if you remember at all uh, yeah. Going on stage at Yuck Yucks then Because Yuck Yucks changed Over the years quite a bit
1: well, it was electric back then in the seventies because it was an art form that was becoming mainstream and everybody it was very hip to be in a in a comedy club Ooh. where there was swearing that you don't hear on T V.
0: That's right. I say things. Um,
1: yeah, cable T V was just coming in at the time and, and not too much of it in Canada. Although we didn't have a problem with the seven words in Canada, we have, different, we have a different um,
0: the George Carlin seven words
1: laws for that. Yeah, yeah. and um, I saw him do that live actually in 1972.
0: George Carlin, yeah, oh,
1: at yeah, the yeah. at the O'Keefe Center in Toronto, and which is now I don't know what it's gone through with several names, the Hummingbird and whatever it is now. But
0: uh, yeah,
1: I saw him as a 18 year old kid going on nineteen and he what happened was my buddy and we used to listen to comedy albums back then and he had am fm and we're oh. listening to it in his room and he, my buddy goes you know what he's coming to toronto we should go buy tickets to see him do this album and so we did uh i don't know how he arranged it there was no online ordering you had to physically go down to the o'keefe center and get the tickets yeah, yeah. and uh um, wait
0: tickets for a radio show no, no, for a concert. Oh, no, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah right. it, it, at the,
1: yeah. the O'Keeffe Center. And uh, across from Hockey Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, that
1: place. In Toronto. And so, uh, you know, 3,000-seat auditorium. Woo! And he, um, we we're all expecting him to do this this show, this album. Yeah. And he came out and did the next album, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought all the jokes in the world had been written. And here he comes out and does Class Clown. <laughs> And the seven words for two hours. And I just sat there and I went, that's the job. That's what I want to do. So that inspired me. Well, he was special because he did an
0: album every
1: few years, right? Well, later on in his career, he was so prolific. Mm. um, And he knew that 95% of whatever he wrote was going to work on stage. Because he'd been doing it long enough. Me, I'm about at 15% right now. (laughs) 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 On a good Um, day. (laughs) Uh, yeah, on a good day uh, when I make an effort. So that's every three months. Um, yeah, it was it was electric to see that, and it took me about seven years to finally work up the uh, nerved. There were no comedy clubs at the time, of course, and then oh, I heard about Yuck Yucks. and so yeah. I went down on amateur night, and I was 17th out of 19 comedians. Ooh. That's a long night. Yeah. (laughs) Four people in front of me just doing fires and buffalo jokes and just bombing.
0: Hmm.
1: And I went, wow. And so I went up, and I don't know what possessed me. I had no instruction, no comedy class, no book. But I knew that I had to have a routine ready. I couldn't just wing it. And Hmm. I I had a routine. And it was was a sketch on uh, Hockey Night in Canada and two announcers having an argument. There we go. Game, and I I did very well, uh, well enough that the owner Mark Breslin uh, came around the corner backstage and said, "Just do regular nights."
0: Oh, that's so fantastic! I
1: was lucky. I got off amateur night right away. Yeah, and, yeah. I, could, and I was headlining in six months because I was there every night. Wow! And that was my gymnasium for jokes.
0: That, that so that was like right when yuck yucks was starting to become a big thing.
1: Yeah, it was about a year. Of, a year and a half old when I, when I started there. So I wasn't one of the originals. Pretty close though. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. hockey, they had the original six. I'm like the, the next expansion when they went to 12 teams.
0: Yeah. You got to watch the first guys go and mess yeah. up a little bit. And then, okay. Then you yeah. throw your hat in the ring.
1: The thing is though, the, um, back in 1979, I was able to go on almost, I, I was on six nights a week. Yeah. And I still had a day job. And, um,
0: Did they pay well back then
1: for... There was no pay.
0: Oh, no pay. Uh,
1: Well, I'll explain it in a second, but just to do a set, um, you did it for free, but he gave you an audience, a willing audience, and it was electric, you know, you you could just brush your hair back and they'd be laughing, okay? So, um, in six months, I was headlining because Mm -hmm. I was working every night, and... Now you can't get stage time in a pro club, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe every three months if you're not established as a comic. And so I was very lucky. And I guess because there's like 1700 comedians trying to get stage time in the pro clubs right now. Back then there were only 17 comedians (laughs) in Toronto. So I was very lucky that I got in on the ground floor, I guess you could say. And uh, I just lived for it, you know, it was it was just a, a rush. It was it was just fantastic, and um, but it took me a few more years though to quit my day job because there weren't there weren't a string of clubs to go and do a circuit. Yeah. But uh, so I worked uh, at a radio station in Toronto. I was a news announcer. Oh, okay. And, um, so I and I had a great shift two to nine o'clock, and then nine ten the newscast is finished. I'm in my car heading downtown. And uh, I'm on stage at like 9:40. Oh,
0: oh, you got good hours too then. No longer this midnight stuff you have to
1: do now. Oh no, no, it was the show started at uh, say eight or eight thirty. Oh yeah, regular nights. Great time. And it would end at uh, ten o'clock. Back then it was um, an MC, three or four opening comedians who did like ten minutes, and then the headliner did. They called them the feature act. Did a half hour. Yeah. And so the, the MC and the feature were the only ones that got paid. Oh, um, all right. Yeah. So when I headlined for the first time, I made $125 um, for the week.
0: Oh, for the week. Uh,
1: yeah. You, you you had that look on your face that, oh, $125 a show, that's not bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? There you go.
1: That came later. Hey. <laughs> hmm. so, um, but back then, life was cheap. Rent was only 250 a month.
0: Oh, really? Toronto. Yeah. Holy
1: smokes! <laughs> you can't fathom that economy at no, all. No, you? I yeah. can't at all.
0: Yeah, candy was just three for a penny plus.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Two fifty is like uh, apartment insurance now. <laughs> 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 but yeah. don't forget, we weren't making a lot of money either. Everything was, um, uh, what do you call it, as a ratio? Like, um, like I can't fathom. Kids today buying a million-dollar house. That is just, like, wild to me.
0: They do. They just Uh, go broke, if like, a year later. Yeah, but their salaries
1: are much more than what I ever made Mm. Mm -hmm. um, in my day job. You know, so it's it's all in perspective, I think. Yeah. Uh, But to me, 40 years later, a million-dollar house is, like, there's no way I Mm even dreamt of that 40 years ago. Yeah.
0: So... That's also part um, of being Toronto now. There's so much demand just trying to get a place. Yeah, to people here,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it. I have a son who's living downtown, and it is so expensive. But you have to be near everything if you want to do anything. So,
0: no, that's true. Now, I remember when I was first moving here, and I like I'm from um, the middle of nowhere. And, in Canada and coming here on yeah. the holy smokes you pay 1200 <clears throat> rent a month and that's for like a cheap place mm-hmm. and they told me that's a good deal that's a good yeah. deal oh yeah. what yeah jeez yeah
1: 1200 that was that was expensive in
0: 1988 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, makes me feel cheap now but yeah. I don't know it still sounds like a lot when you're yeah. from the middle yeah. of nowhere an and rents like I don't know 800 or something yeah something like that get get but, gas and do all that
1: yeah so it's a little harder today for a comedian a wannabe comedian to do stand up and get paid at some gigs and help cover the rent hmm. and so um, like for example Seinfeld when he started out around the same time I think 78 yeah you know he 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 would do uh, some spots in New York and get the odd gig and he would make enough just to cover his rent and mm-hmm. groceries but that can't be done now that's you know with with rents like 2,000 $2,500 a month
0: there's yeah, no one
1: on the open mic circuit making that money
0: you yeah, know unless yeah.
1: they are very good at marketing <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're selling something other than just stand-up uh yeah, yeah why don't we move into uh like the movie area because you did a lot of tv shows you did like corner gas and murdoch mysteries and Dan yeah.
1: um Corner Gas, Brent Butt, the star. Yeah, uh, that was a great show. Yeah, well, we were friends starting out. Uh, well, he came a little after me. He started in Saskatoon. And uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is always be good to people on your way up because you never know who you're going to meet on your way down. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, and I friends and I, uh, we've been friends for years, over 30 years. And then he got his show and. Uh, I do have an agent. And so he sent out, you know, calls for a certain character. And so I auditioned for it. So it helped that he was looking at my tape Mm -hmm. and hiring me and the same with Dan for mayor. Uh, Mark Farrell was the producer of that show and um, he was a young comic at Yuck Yucks at the time. And so I'm grateful that I was, I was nice (laughs) to both of them. So. Always try to be nice, anyway. So, but uh, uh, it has its little dividends, yeah.
0: What was it like working on those shows? What was uh...
1: well, they were day parts for me, so I wasn't there. You know, I was I was yeah, one day,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I had maybe three to five lines, yeah. But they give you your own little trailer, not the full trailer, <laughs> but a little section of a trailer, and they treat you well, you know, and you get paid. You you um, sorry, not paid. You get fed. <laughs> Several times a day. (laughs) It's fantastic, you know, and they treat you well. Mm. And um, they shoot very quickly in television. That's what I like about it compared to episodes. Well, yeah, they have, you know, they have a, a budget and they have a time constraint. So you get like three takes and then they're on to the next thing. Yeah. In a movie they'll do. I've been on a set where I saw the director make a girl do probably a certain line 20 times. To the point, I don't think he even knew what he wanted. You know,
0: I want to see every possible variation.
1: Yeah, because well, yeah. when it, when you go when you go into editing and you say, "Oh, we should have had to do this," it's too late. You know, true. Um, but I had some early success. Um, I want to just go back to stand up for a second because yeah. I did. I did some television in the early eighties for the Alan Thick Show, which was uh, taped out in Vancouver. And so that's way before your time, but it was done. It was aired in the afternoon on CTV. Yeah, national exposure, and it was done. It was set up just like the Tonight Show. So you come out of the curtain, you stand on your mark, and you do your routine.
0: Yeah, that was how you got made as a comedian back then. You had to have a oh,
1: uh, Tonight Show spot guaranteed you not stardom, but at least a lot of money working for the next year. Yeah. And it probably is the same today. It depends on your second and third spots, and are you a character the audience can relate to? Yeah,
0: you know. Well, just the title being on the Tonight Show, being yeah. on the Olympic Show is just well.
1: really—that's what I think gets you booked as a headliner in Canada now, or in any club in North yeah. America. If you have a late night credit, uh, you are considered to be the headliner in a club if there's you know so depending on well like everybody's trying to get on so really my advice to young comics is is don't try you know don't be shooting to headline in a club now you're not going to get there unless you're extremely funny like you're some sort of rare talent like jim Mm -hmm. carrey but uh just shoot for getting a spot on tv you know or gathering an audience on youtube or on any social platform you know, As featured on YouTube. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's not so much that. It's that if, say, you have a million followers, yeah. the Tonight Show comes to you yeah. because you have an audience of a million people that you will bring with you to the Tonight Show and their ratings.
0: Yeah, people effect. seem to reach out for you once they see a number. Like, that's enough. Yep, that's enough they people. know
1: you're popular. Yeah. There's something there. You've, you've sort of done all the work for their there are uh, people behind the scenes you know the bookers and what have yeah. you so that's one of the main things i've seen that's changed in the industry is that it's not so much trying to get the tonight show it's it's about trying to build your own audience and filling the seats and if you have a big following uh,
0: the network come to you yeah that that's following it. seems to be like the ultimate goal there is do i want this no, no no i just want to get more subscribers
1: well, I mean, I mean, you make money when you get more subscribers, I believe. You know, like every 10,000 is $6. <laughs> I don't know what it is.
0: But <laughs> it's probably know. less than that. I have a hundred. But yeah. no, you're right. It's just then that the deals start to come in once you get
1: some. But think about numbers. that. If you had a million subscribers and then you decide to write a book, 10% of those may buy your book. That's yeah. pretty good. 100,000 copies out the door.
0: Yeah, well, that's where I got lucky, because I have a certain number of subscribers, so that's why they offered me a book deal, just because yeah. of the subscriber base.
1: Mm-hmm. That,
0: that that wouldn't come with for any other reason.
1: Right. What's the old joke? You get a book a month for 12 months, and then for a penny, and then it's, uh, <laughs> it's the old uh, Columbia Book Club, or whatever it is that used to be. That was a joke, and I'm butchering it right now, so... Because you have no idea what reference I'm talking about.
0: No, but that was most of your routine most of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that's important. Keep your references up to date, um, which is a tricky thing to do because you're so used to telling a joke a certain pattern a certain mm. way. And, if and you... used to,
0: everyone got it. Everyone knew exactly what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My time has passed, so... <laughs>
0: Well, I find even most of the jokes that I try to do, I realize that a year later, people are like, it's not as funny as it was last year.
1: It's all about: does the audience know what you're talking about, and is your punchline something they know about? Yeah. Okay, so you can't you can't make them laugh about something they don't know. So your punchline, they have to understand it. Okay. So it's it's always about that. Um, and if you can get, if you talk about a, a topic in the setup that they know about, you don't have to give them a lot of information. You can go right to the punchline, usually. It seems, so like, the,
0: yeah. it seems like that's the why a lot of the biggest comedians are always talking about family or very core sure. yeah, core things.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't hurt to, you know, make a list of um, current Lists of people and places and things and events so that you're up to date. A lot of the late night writers do that Yeah. so that when a joke comes in, they just
0: relate it to something that everybody's aware of, you know? It must be really hard to write for those TV shows. Just to churn out content for every night must be really a lot of work.
1: I have no experience in that, but it does look hard. It's a long hour (laughs) and things change you know, between the taping and airing. So if there's something that's happened that day, especially Saturday Night Live, say, um, look at um, when Joe Biden, when they finally announced Joe Biden won, that happened on a Saturday evening. And so they had to immediately change the opening sketch to reflect them making their speeches.
0: uh, And they might've had two different shows, one for Trump, one for Biden.
1: Well, no, they already knew that it was going to be Biden, but they didn't know when they were, going to finally uh, acknowledge that Biden had won. Like the voting had stopped. Uh, uh, We already knew that Biden had way more electoral votes than Trump. So that was a gimme. But the thing is that victory speech was made Saturday evening. So like an hour before Saturday Live was going on air. So they had to change that hustle and change up that scene to make it more current
0: well i guess the risk is if you don't change it up then people are expecting to see those jokes about that topic
1: yeah i mean like Mm. if they'd kept their whatever their sketch was supposed to be it would have been outdated yeah simply because of the the uh the speeches that were made that night so um i thought they did a pretty good job you know that that night so, I'm sorry I took us back to stand-up again, but... No,
0: um, oh, no, I mean, that's why we're here. We're yeah. here to talk about stand-up.
1: <laughs> it's what I do. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a great career. I mean, I wouldn't have done anything else, you know, but this.
0: Did you find that um, talking in the radio show was kind of connected? Um,
1: no, it, it actually... Because I was in news and it was straightforward, there were no oh. jokes. I wasn't a DJ or anything, but... Um, I was a news announcer and reporter. No humor. Well, you had a kicker at the end of your newscast, a little humorous story. Uh, But um, I found that I'd been writing all day, writing news. And, of course, back then I still didn't know how jokes were constructed. I was just seat in my pants, you know, just from watching other comedians. I knew there was some sort of instinct at work that I knew that I had to punch it here. Okay, And so when I would get home after shifts, sometimes I would be mentally exhausted. I didn't want to do any more writing. Yeah, I didn't realize back then the setups were right there. All the news. I just had to punch them. But I didn't know how to do it back then like I do now.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, that's that's the hardest thing in the beginning. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, back then, you know, late 70s, early 80s, there were no books on how to write comedy. Uh, if there were, you know, there was no way of finding out, you know, it's either your local bookstore had it or they didn't. No there Amazon. No, yeah. There was no Amazon. There was no way to Google.
0: Yeah, no online library catalog. None of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you either came across something or you didn't, you know? And so, um, I guess I learned a little bit from Gene Parrott. He was one of the first, uh, he wrote for Bob Hope and Phyllis Diller. So he's basically one-liners and that affected me. Like I started out as a sketch comedian. I did a sketch on Hockey Night in Canada. I did a sketch about um, Star Trek. I Ooh. did a sketch about the news. I would um, I'd
0: love to see that Star Trek one. That would have been great.
1: Um, I think I've totally forgotten it now. <laughs> I, <laughs> hope <it's, laughs> I hope it's buried somewhere. <laughs> um. I do remember one joke. It was Captain Kirk going, Star Date eleven point seven two two one. No wait, star date eleven point seven seven three. No wait, star date <laughs> screw it, July twelfth. <laughs> <laughs> That's one joke I remember from that. But I I learned to start condensing my material until it got down to one line, one setup and punch, or several. Um and so I got away from sketches and became mostly a one-liner comedian, which I enjoyed. I always liked the, the lowly one-liner. It's a story in itself; it has a beginning, a middle, and an
0: end. I've always not been too a many, fan of it. Not too um, many of those anymore. Those are actually a rare breed now.
1: Well, yeah, Jimmy Carr. Um, yeah. Let's see, uh, Stephen Wright.
0: It's very hard to do one-liner film, since you really have to think everything completely through.
1: Um, Yes and no. There are tricks that you can learn that will take you from, you just identify something in the setup that you want to switch. Mm. Okay. Um, I just think about going from topic to a, a minor topic and finding something that will illustrate what I feel about the topic. So, for example, Zoom has been getting to me. Okay, so uh, I tried to switch the gallery view, but realized I was looking in the bathroom mirror. So that bathroom mirror is illustrating how Zoom is getting to me. I'm so confused. (laughs) I wake up in the morning. I'm trying to switch the gallery view as I'm shaving. (laughs) So that's how simple it can be. Just it's all about relationships and and, uh, from, you know, with words. Um, and a lot of metaphors and analogies and stand up in one liners. My favorite is a friend of mine, Jeff Rothpan in Los Angeles does a joke about his wife and uh, he and his wife were celebrating their anniversary and she suggested uh, driving up the coast of California and staying at a bed and breakfast or as I call it a stranger's house. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, stranger's house is a metaphor for a bed and breakfast. If you think about it, so it's what oh,
0: describe of... it? That's wrong.
1: Yeah, what else is this? That's really it. Is uh, the whole joke structure there? Is okay, bed and breakfast. What else can this be?
0: Right. There seems to be a lot of comedies. What is the wrong way to interpret this thing?
1: Well, yeah, or 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 figure out what is the normal what comes after that, what would be normal, and then just break that.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, um, trying to think of another example for you. Okay, the other day I posted on Facebook was, um, you know, after the lockdown started in Toronto. I said, I uh, just walked by uh, coffee time and the sign in the door said, sorry, we're open. <laughs> so it's just a matter of changing clothes to open. What's the opposite of that, Right.
0: Yeah. There's uh, a actually that reminds me there's a I don't know is there's a slight deviation, but there's a documentary I just saw about a, a marathon running. And apparently this run is extremely excruciating. And people who run it are always like suffering by the end of it. So whenever people apply for the race, if they are accepted, they get a letter that's a condolence letter and says, Sorry you've been accepted to participate in the marathon. <laughs> Very good. I like that. Yeah, no, that's a that's a true yeah. thing at the uh, yeah, going yeah. on at the moment. Uh,
1: I w- I will never get that letter, by the way.
0: <laughs> no marathon running for you. That's not that's not in no. the, not in the bag.
1: Um, not at this age and not at this weight. Nope. Unless um, I like can Uber most of the race.
0: Hi. Right, one second. It looks like uh, I'm having a little computer issue here. Just gonna try and fix that up. Just gonna pause the recording. Okay, and we're back. Sorry, we had some technical issues. That's good yeah. to go now.
1: Yeah, I had trouble talking. I think that was my <laughs> technical issue. Um, yeah, one-liners, uh, what I like about them, they're quick. The trick is they've got to be somehow related to you. Like, you can't just... Well, Stephen Wright gets away with what his character is, that he's an observational guy and he's weird. You know, like... It doesn't matter, you know, everything is within walking distance if you have the time, right? So, um, and we get it, we we know his attitude, okay? So it's, it's um, that's why some comedians, when they're first starting out and they're trying one-liners, they don't seem to be emanating from them. So when I talked about coffee time and the sign saying, sorry, we're over, that's me commenting on, how I feel about coffee time. Mm -hmm. It's all in there. Like it's dingy and it's the product isn't that great. Oh God, I'm going to get sued now. Uh, Edit that part out. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I'm not just saying, um, I'm not saying coffee time, you know, the sign said, sorry, we're open. And it's, that's too, it's not me, but I've, I sort of massage it a bit. So it sounds like me talking.
0: Your grumpy, over-the-hill, grouchy person is perfect for to complain about. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess so.
0: Yeah, if you're just this squeaky clean, lovey-dovey person, then it's not going to work.
1: Well, speaking of that, that is my, I guess uh, that was my, uh, my whole act, was that I did keep it clean.
0: Mm, so I, right. stood
1: out, I stood out amongst all the other comedians um, uh, in clubs because people go there expecting blue. And they're, Mm. they're mildly surprised that I went 45 minutes without swearing. Yeah. And uh, like, I I don't know how many times people come up to me. How did you go so long without swearing? How did you do that? You know, (laughs) I just said, it's a gift. (laughs) I'm not going to tell them the magic. I just felt, I I remember Seinfeld saying something um, when I first was aware of him about how clean cut he was in his act and, He said, I just feel that if I have to say the F word in the punchline, maybe it's not that funny. And that made me think. So it just makes me think a little harder and to go beyond uh, any sexual connection to whatever I'm talking about. You see a lot of that in in, uh, new comedians. They'll come up with coffee time and then they're going to somehow relate it to sex. Yeah. You know, go-to something to do with the curler. Something to do. Yeah. And it's, but we're human because sex is like one of the things, especially for guys constantly on our mind, as Freud said, every eight seconds, you know, so um, I just try to, okay, I, I may acknowledge that. And then I, I just think beyond that, I go, what else could I deal? What else can I use to relate to this? and i'll okay the sign what what does the sign on the door say and i just say what it, it normally says sorry we're closed and there, it's just jumping out at me what's the opposite of that sorry we're open my friend rob ross has a great joke about the maple leafs there's such losers they're not allowed to shop at winners <laughs> um, i don't know where you're broadcasting but winners for the folks listening is a um, what is it? It's a clothing store or some sort of mishmash. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, it might only be North American. I think you're right.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> there we just destroyed yeah. that joke.
0: But does he in Japan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and so uh, I've 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 thought about it in the last little while that you know comedy is is uh, one-liners, observations, and stories. And uh, one liner is a good thing to learn in the beginning because when you get to observations, you know how to punch it. And when you get to stories, you know how to punch your story frequently before you get to the punchline because you want to. It's all about getting laughs per minute.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right about the clean comedy aspect too. When you see a clean comedian, you tend to respect them and give them a lot more. Uh, like, oh, that was a clever act you seem to uh, assuming that did a good job and was side-by-side with a, maybe a similar level comedian. You tend to give more praise to the clean comic. I don't want to. Yeah. I I, I hate using
1: the phrase clean comic. I just, I like, I just like a comic that is just talking. It's the real him. Mm -hmm. So it's for me, I don't swear that much in real life. I do in front of my kids. We're losing good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A little joke there, by the way, but, it's it's just not me. I mean, uh, to me, it was like my mother could walk in here and I would be grounded, you know, if she heard me talking like that. Yeah. And also, I I, I think subconsciously I was thinking that the audience is expecting blue, and I'm going I'm going to I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, the hard does. part is is convincing them that you're funny. <laughs> It probably helps
0: with getting booked on live television gigs as well.
1: Well, yeah, back in the early days, that's how I got the Alan Thick show. Um, they came to, to the club and watched the whole string of us, you know, showcase. And myself and Pat Bullard were the only ones that were chosen because we had acts that could be done on television.
0: Yeah, you couldn't really do anything square, or dirty, or racial. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: you know, it's on in the afternoon, 1 p.m., uh, so, you know, uh, you can't, I mean, television back then was very, um, antiseptic, I guess is that the word okay. it was making its changes. I mean, now, I mean, you never even saw blood in a, in a police crime drama, you know, yeah,
0: that's right. it's scary. It wasn't around. that scary? Yeah. Yeah. It,
1: there were just a lot of things that were, I guess, uh, cleaned up. Or,
0: you know, well, even horror movies back then were considered like, I think I remember King Kong was considered a horror movie in the first place. like now, you're like that's oh really a different genre now.
1: Hmm. Yeah. What is it now? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's definitely changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well now it's very, uh, biographical. I mean, it <laughs> started that way in the nineties, early nineties. Um, and, um, and now it's really, it really is all about you hmm. and, and what, what's in your life that the audience relates to, you know, what are both your fears that you both have in common?
0: can be very personal.
1: Yeah. It, it can be very personal.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, but they want to see a real
0: person on the stage now, don't they?
1: Yeah. They want to see someone who's um, relating to them. I mean, it always has been that way. But if you think about Bob Hope was not relating to a crowd, he just had a presence on stage. Mm. He was in command and told his jokes. And I guess I fall into that category too. Um, But you get guys like, like Brian Regan, you know, he's in command, but he's also, we're all relating to whatever he's talking about, you know. Uh, yeah, I just moved. I'm going to need a new phone. Okay, that's going to be a problem. I thought so, you know. Uh, We're all sitting there going, yeah, we've all had that that thing with the phone company, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the way he acts out the other guy. That's going to be a problem. I thought so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, nowadays you don't really see too much. I mean, there's rare occasions, but prop comedians, that seems to be uh, definitely a rare occurrence now
1: yeah they were labeled as hacks or
0: yeah but they weren't they used to be big
1: yeah well the big the guys that make the most money right now are carrot top and gallagher yeah um and they're prop acts and so
0: but you don't uh, see many of those running around the circuit Uh, at least i haven't
1: well they get they get shamed into it we used to joke uh, there was a guy a brilliant guy he just passed away paul wildbomb he could mime. He could do forty-five minutes without even saying a word and kill, and use props and and we used to say, um, wow. I think it was Tim Steve said, uh, you know, Paul, a good joke doesn't take up trunk space, right? <laughs> so, and Paul would answer, well, a a, a good prop joke, uh, or sorry, a good joke, a one-liner wouldn't work in Poland.
0: Ah, yeah. he's thinking, Because yeah. this
1: guy worked all over the world. Yeah, that's Everywhere. right.
0: That's about yeah. like Mr. Bean. That's international. There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not props, but uh, Miami. everybody thinks it's 1924 when they watch him, but uh, yeah. <laughs> there's no sound.
0: Well, that was the one that surprised me is I watched Mr. Bean going up, and then I re- later I realized he's actually really big. I didn't quite realize that he oh, was huge.
1: It was almost, it, he came to the Eaton Center in Toronto and it was like Beatlemania. Yeah. You know, they just went crazy for him. He was hot for, he had his moment and then it sort of faded away. But it well, was it faded like, away
0: until YouTube came out and then people, you look at how many views and how huge he is. He's definitely one of the biggest.
1: Oh, okay. Of
0: all time. just yeah. Because he appeals to any age group and any demographic, any other.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's all visual. And it takes us back to the silent film era. Yeah. You know, and that's Chaplin, and that's Buster Keaton. And this, you know, clowning, just switching, you know. I love some of the old Buster Keaton uh, clips, you know. Okay,
0: really good. Just works of film. It's just. Yeah. It's astounding, some of those. I just
1: remember, I think it was the general, and he's on this train he's on this train with a gun it's during the Civil War and he's about to fire at the enemy with this cannon that's being transported by the train yeah and just as he's about to fire it goes into a tunnel with <laughs> you you know you just you're just not expecting it it's it's uh his use of the camera and the cuts to make to make the laugh you know and it's basically you're watching a, a one liner right. going on you know yeah a lot of the silent films uh, are lessons like that. It's all about, and you can picture everything, right? So a good one-liner also is something you can picture or it's some action going on. If you're just playing with words, it's a pun.
0: Hmm. It's
1: just to play on words.
0: People don't like puns for some reason.
1: Well, they seem too easy, that's why. They easy. go, I like it, I written that. But no, you couldn't have. It you know, takes a while to figure out a pun. Yeah. Nobody well, likes groans. me like my... I was going to say, nobody likes me like my tomato can. Um, I'll let you sit on that for a while. And uh, nobody likes me like my tomato can.
0: No, that one went past my my overhead. I'm not not bright enough for that one.
1: It's a double use on uh, can. You know, as in can do. I love you. I can love you.
0: Uh, It's also a can.
1: And thus endeth the lesson. (laughs) Well, my favorite pun really is Oscar Wilde. Who's accredited with this? He said um, he boasted that he could um, create a pun on a second's notice on any subject. So somebody yelled out, "Okay, the king." And he said, "The king, sir, is not a subject." <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's um, not supposed to make you laugh. That yeah, no, that one was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. No, but if you do if you do puns at an open mic night, yeah. you're most likely to get groans. Yes, because
1: they they feel superior. The audience feels superior to a, a thing. But if you use a metaphor or a simile in your jokes, which are really easy to write, the audience loves them because as human beings, that's how we relate to each other. We always say, "Well, this is like this." You know, if I if I mention something that we're not familiar with, well, it's like it's like a, a a grapefruit, but not as sweet. And now we can picture what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So when we use Pandible. Yeah, so uh, I want to stay at a bed and breakfast, a stranger's house, right? Needs to be something concrete. Yeah, Uh, I I think uh, I think it's Kathy Ladman had a great joke about marriage. She says it's like a five thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, all sky. (laughs) (laughs) So we can picture the puzzle, and we can picture all the tiles Mm. that look blue,
0: Mm. right? It um, seems to be good writers make great comedians. seems to really go hand in hand.
1: I guess so. I guess because the art form, modern stand-up called for the comic to do their own
0: material. Um, well, that's right. In the past, I guess, you didn't necessarily have to be the same person writing the jokes.
1: No. A lot of comedians bought their material. Uh, such as... Um, oh, I'm trying to remember... Uh, All the names are leaving me now, but uh, Milton Burrow.
0: No, I remember reading that though. Just when I pick up some comedy books, especially the books that are not so recent, kept talking about career paths you can write for other comics.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, Woody Allen wrote for um, comedians. Oh, yeah. Audie Dangerfield wrote
0: for comedians. Would have thought people wrote for him. Yes. That's great one liners. Yeah. Would have thought that would be perfect.
1: You know Dennis Miller actually wrote for Dennis Leary in the early early days, and then Dennis Miller got popular and so he wanted all his material back. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I would heard. so yeah. but Dennis Leary came into his own. you know he's done very well.
0: Well, I guess nowadays instead of for specific comedians, you just try to write for like a sketch show or a sitcom or something.
1: yeah, I guess that's the uh, equivalent. Really- Well, a great way to break into the business if you're a good writer, if you have discipline and write every day, is to try and write for late-night TV. Yeah. It pays quite well if you can get in. But it's just like stand-up is trying to get stage time. So there's a lot of people trying to get in and write on a show.
0: It's not a past hobby. It's a full-time gig. It's a hard work job.
1: I I hear they... you know a junior writer starts at four grand a week, so oh really, yeah,
0: oh wow. well, I guess there's very limited people to get in though, so oh
1: yeah, 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 but you know what um a lot of writers on the late night shows
0: are stand ups, probably necessary, not not as a job requirement, but just to have the skill set
1: well yeah you you have a feeling for do I have a joke or not, yeah, you know,
0: kind of know if it'll work or not,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. You have some stage experience, and that, and that gauges it sometimes. Um,
0: do you find that it, profession. Do you find that uh, improv is done? A, did you do ever do improv? Because those are always, I can put those two ideas together.
1: I never did improv. I took a class mm-hmm. back in 1980 at uh, Second City. So I was a year into doing stand-up. And I didn't get it. It's about cooperating with the other actors on stage. And I'm doing stand-up where I'm on my own, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to punch whatever somebody says. I'm trying to punch it instead of just agreeing and moving along with the scene, right?
0: It would be... And probably he ended it.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, um, someone would start, let's go to the beach. And i go, well, no, let's get a cab. (laughs) Uh, Like, I've just killed the scene, right? Um, instead of, I should have said, yeah, we'll make some sandcastles,
0: you know? Yeah. You're aiming for the laugh. They needed more. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, um, yeah, I could have said, well, is it a nude beach? You know, so, mm. or something, yeah. I'd try to be humorous and I would kill the scene. But one <laughs> thing I did learn from taking, um, improv classes, I felt planted on stage. And from then on in standup, I just felt very comfortable on mm. stage, you know, and I think it's because in improv, you don't know what's coming next. No. And in stand-up you have to know what you're going to say next. Oh, right. Especially if you're doing television, you can't leave it to chance. Mm. Um, there is a school of comedians. Now they like to do improv off the top. They try to do as much stuff without going to their act. Yeah. That seems to be the new wave
0: now. Whereas hope to come up with some genius yeah. off the top of their head.
1: Yeah, well, um, it just keeps them fresh, they feel, and for me, I'm old school. I like doing, I like preparing the material, and then the trick is to make it look like I'm just making it up. Okay, so that's, that's me, and that's my style, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, <laughs> I, am, I think I'm going to explore that more about, um, you know, working with a crowd more and riffing.
0: But it does seem to be a faster way to come up with content if you don't have... If you want to make a new set, you've already used up your material on your special yeah. or something.
1: Yeah, the key is to record yourself
0: and listen back. <laughs> you, you did a few recordings, though. You did a few festivals and live, didn't you? Yeah. Um, uh,
1: I'm trying to think what I did. The Winnipeg Comedy Festival. but That's a number of years ago now. And I did a... Um, but again, it just I made sure I had the routine down. I wasn't hmm. waiting. Of course, it was television, so I don't like to leave it to chance on television. I'm not Robin Williams, you know.
0: He's, he's a different league of his own. Though. No sure. one could do what he was trying to do.
1: Well, he's basically, he was the kind of comedian that would come out, and he may know what he's going to say off the top, but then maybe an idea comes to him, and he runs with it. And then hmm. as soon as it runs out of gas, he goes back to his prepared material, yeah. and then when another idea hits him but the producers allow him that leeway because he's so talented you know he was he was a master at that and
0: yeah,
1: yeah you can you can do more than five minutes Robin you know <laughs> or you and I we have five minutes that's it you know
0: if you're lucky and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, no, I remember seeing it. I saw a Robin Williams clips and those are like his early clips and they're just whoa it's He literally made that up, and you realize that, oh, even back when he started, he was that good.
1: Well, he had, he he would make it, well, you'd think he made it up. I've seen it done several times on different shows like you know the one where he does the Shakespeare and Einstein and what are you doing with my formula I saw him do it like three different shows but he made it look like it was improv
0: maybe he's just a master making it look like he's making it up
1: uh, a little of both he was always on he was always on um but he's just one of those rare talents that come along in a generation that you know nothing can come close to that. Sam Kinnison, maybe. Yeah. Was another one.
0: Did you find it, uh, when you were doing the Winnipeg festival, cause once you've done your material, you feel obligated to never use the material again. No, it, not at all. No, you nope. didn't feel that
1: you, you, I think you get that way because you're self-conscious. You think the whole world has seen you on television yeah. and they haven't, they haven't. Mm. I've, I'm, I did the same act probably for about at least 20 years in clubs until eventually some people that came back five or six times go, okay, I've seen this, but you can get away with it because not everybody shows up at the next show. I learned that my, after my first night at Yuck Yucks, you know, I thought I had to change my routine and, and the owner just said, no, no, it's, it's a routine. I mean, that's why it's called that. And you do it over and over again, just like a a stage play the actors don't change the words every night.
0: But those plays move around the country a little
1: bit. Well, the same thing. Comics, we're traveling the country. That's true. We're going town to town. And, um, and even if you work, um, a chain, a pro club in the major cities, it's still a different crowd. You know, the, the odds of the same people showing up again at the same show. Yeah, that's true. Um, you have a better chance with the lottery. <laughs> right. And
0: remembering and actually being bothered by it. They probably wanted to see you again. That's why they came. Oh,
1: yeah. A lot of people yeah. go, oh, you know, they bring their friends. They go, you yeah. got to see what he does. And they get upset if you don't do the bit.
0: Yeah, I they, want the bit. That's why it's like a rock star song. you got to do the, the greatest hits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the only thing in, in comedy compared to rock uh, uh, songs, uh, uh, bands, is that... People come to see them do the songs they they bought. (laughs) Whereas our job is to surprise them at every turn.
0: Right? We have to not see it coming. If you see it coming, it's somehow, for some reason, it's not as funny. But I never understood why that is. Why? Yeah. Because, like, if you go to see a comedy movie, sometimes you watch the same movie again, and you already know what the punchline is.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we watch it again because... Uh, it was so funny. I just, you want to see a different aspect of it.
0: But that's least, literally the same thing in some well, way.
1: Well, it's, it's sometimes you want to see the other actors face, you mm-hmm. know, their reaction and, or how long does it take before this happens and it creates the funny, you know, mm-hmm. like I could watch the three stooges over and over again when, when, um, you know, Mo opens a filing cabinet and it hits Larry in the head, you know. Like <laughs> over and over again. It's just the stunned Larry and then Mo with that determination to open this drawer when he's not expecting it, you know. Uh,
0: he,
1: there's always something different you're looking at, you're you're watching for, even though you know the joke is coming. It's just like we watch a historical film and we know in real life how it ends. That's true. Right. But we're so bent on it in the story that the ending is not of consequence, really. We're just yeah. seeing, oh, how did, where did they fail? You know, yeah. where did they fail to save JFK? Where did they, you know...
0: Every World War II movie, you kind of know how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah,
1: with the exception of Inglorious Bastards, where Hitler <laughs> dies in the end, which is quite cathartic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit of fire
0: That's no, no, true you, mm-hmm. I find there's a little bit less um, Physical comedy on movies now And like you used to have Big giants like Laurel and Hardy And now, nowadays I, I can't really think of too many Physical people who consistently Do physical stuff in movies Yeah, yet. I guess Jim Carrey does true. Or did. Well he's yeah I guess he's one of the few
1: like me, myself, and Irene, remember when he gets up in the morning after he spent a night in bed with her, and he's peeing, and then suddenly the pee just shoots up to the right against the wall instead of going in the toilet? <laughs> and now he's battling with this, this, and it's a gusher, and he's even grabbing the picture on the wall to deflect the flow of the pee. Yeah. That's all physical, you know.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> Um, I loved Jim Carrey He was uh, my idol In terms of comedy Growing up Yeah uh, Yeah You would be that age The yeah. Mask Truman Bruce Almighty mm-hmm. uh, Yes Man those, those were the thing Those were the movies Yeah Yeah
1: um, I like how he Each movie is a little different From the last one So he's not locked into A certain genre like, I like the, uh, what's the one where he, his, he free, he's, the the mind, something of the... the, spotless, the, the
0: mind, spotless, sunshine, mind. spotless Mind, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind by Spike Lee, yeah. Yeah. And Andrew, Andrew Kaufman or something,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'd seen him in an interview somewhere where he's trying to have a body of work more than just making money doing the same thing over and over again, you know. So he certainly has a nice body of work.
0: Well, I guess at a certain point, you you want to diversify. Otherwise, you feel your pigeonhole, especially in film. Yes. In film, you want to have access to different roles. You don't want to be yeah. doing the same role every time.
1: Billy Joel is a good example of that. Like, every album was different. The song styles, and things like that. That's right. Always yeah. changing it, you know. Um,
0: That's right. He changed quite a bit over each of those. Those yes. are great
1: yeah. yeah, so it kept you curious about him,
0: you know. Yeah. Well, I guess if you want longevity, you have to be somehow different each time. Otherwise, people yeah. are going to say, well, he used to be big, but now he's over the hill. But if you yeah. want to stay current.
1: A lot of it is is staying current by doing some things different, but also just keeping out there in the public eye somehow. Look at Paul McCartney. He's always... He's mentioned at least once a month in the media.
0: Yeah, somehow, somehow he's still always relevant.
1: Yeah, he's He's almost eighty and still out there churning it out. You know, Uh, Seinfeld is is doing the same thing. You know, he's got a book out. Is this is this anything? Have you read that yet?
0: Uh, No, but I've watched all of his coffee and cars, and I saw the book is great
1: because it's got all his routines through the decades.
0: Oh wow!
1: When he started out, so.
0: That would be some, I know. I gotta check that out.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is recent,
0: then. As uh...
1: oh, probably in the last couple of months, I think.
0: Oh wow! Okay, because he had a Netflix from... special recently. So in the last year, he
1: yeah, and there yeah. his style changed a bit. He was a bit more animated, if you noticed. Um, we're not used to seeing him perform that way.
0: I well, it. Was what his twenty-five greatest bits or something? That was his uh, how he described his routine. He put his best bits into. Um, Why they get them done or something?
1: Oh, that might have been a few years earlier, right? I'm telling you for the last time. Is it that?
0: Oh, he had that one too. I remember this last one. He was, he was oh, definitely okay. doing his. He's some of his greatest hits for sure.
1: Oh, okay. I did. I didn't watch the whole thing, um, but what I liked, I liked the title. Mm. What was it? Um,
0: I think you got it right. I think it is. I'm telling you the last time or something like
1: that. You know, yeah. I got 23 hours to kill or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah, the
1: beauty yeah. of this job. You know, it's forty-five minutes a day. You're done. You know. Yeah. You could. You could. um, You could be having lunch with your friends, and you know, listen, I got to go. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go to work.
0: Got to go to work. By the time you guys are done having your coffee, wake up and (laughs) done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. So don't anybody move. (laughs) I'll be back
0: in a sec. (laughs) I just got to take his phone call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's a, that, I mean, that's the ideal image of what the comedian is from people starting out. He's oh, we only have to work an hour. Mm-hmm. That must be yeah. amazing. I th-
1: the hard part now is trying to get break into the business in the pro clubs and move your way up. And so uh, what most are doing are the open mics, which are really tough and brutal sometimes. It's just four other comics waiting to get on so they're not really listening to
0: you yeah and always late it's always very late for some reason i don't know why yeah um i've been lucky i
1: guess because i'm around so they let me go on earlier or maybe they think i'm too old i don't know
0: (laughs) it's almost (laughs) bedside
1: we years ago leonard barr who was his claim to fame was um he was a one-liner comic Older gentleman, he was late 70s, and um, he was headlining at Yuck Yucks, but he went on third. <laughs> like He went on in the middle of the show, um, right, like around 9 o'clock instead of 10.30. And someone would walk him back to the hotel. Um, only because he'd been doing it a long, long time, and um, anything after 9.30, he was spent, I think. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, some comedians, they try to do a bunch of shows a night. Yeah, know, right. They they do one, they go to the next club, do another one. Right. So long as you
1: have a plan, like you're not just doing. It. I mean, part of it is yeah, doing it just to get the experience of being on stage, and the adrenaline's going. It is a rush, you know, oh, yeah. when you do it.
0: You get a buzz for sure. You don't but get I it doing anything else. I experience no, the same buzz no. it's very.
1: I was never into drugs, but I'm sure it's better than any high you could get.
0: Yeah, it's a very nice feeling when it works.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I I find at the open mics, if it is a sparse crowd, um, don't bother. Don't try to do your act. Just, Just talk to the crowd and practice that angle of your routine. I mean, and that's the way things are going right now is crowd work and riffing. So it's a good place to just try it out and talk to people in the audience.
0: What do you think about the, th- everything that's been going last year in terms of Zoom open mics and online open mics?
1: Yeah, I have, a, I have trouble with it because it's really, you'd never hear the whole audience laughing.
0: You don't hear anyone. They're all muted.
1: Yeah, or muted or it's just one, one mutes another person or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the timing is, is a little off. And it looks it looks awkward or stilted. You tell a joke and you hear nothing. You know,
0: Just no feedback.
1: Yeah, and um, it just takes you back to the days when you did do a certain club in a certain town where the audience was stupid, <laughs> you didn't get the jokes. Um, <laughs> that's the same feeling I'm getting. You know. Mm. It, it And it sounds distorted. A lot of people haven't figured out how to present themselves on screen with well, proper not lighting. Not something you had
0: to do before.
1: Yeah, proper lighting, a good microphone. You know, a lot of people are still using the microphone in their computer, which is not very good. No. It's no, hard to hear great. them. So it's, it's um, right now, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. and But the longer the pandemic
0: goes, I may have to. Well, maybe someone's going to get really good at it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe it's, it's going to some guy's going to become the genius of Zoom open mics. And...
1: Well, you you can take a lesson from if you watch Stephen Colbert in the beginning, he was doing his routine as if he was expecting a laugh, like he'd do the punchline and then stare at the camera. That's right. And he's he's so used to hearing laughter.
0: That's right.
1: And so it was a little awkward. Now he's learned how to not make it look like that's the end of the joke. He's just talking conversationally. And John Oliver is very good at it. He's a motor mouth to begin with. He doesn't even pause for a laugh. You either laugh or you're not.
0: I don't know know if he always had audiences though when he was doing his actual routine.
1: I think he did. He did have a live audience, but his timing wasn't very good. He would laugh. He would talk through the laughter. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) And it would kill it, you know. And I guess it's because he was purposely not trying to be stand-up, and
0: be more of a philosopher commentator. Um, right. I guess that yeah. is a different approach to doing it. You're literally yeah. trying to give a lecture, and, and jokes are irrelevant. I'm trying to make this point. Yeah, then it's
1: yeah. Somehow, acceptable. I mean, he, he tries to end each point with a joke, and that's and that's great. Um, but because he has no audience, he is not expecting laughter anyway. Mm-hmm. So he knows he's landing it, and he doesn't pause as long as a stand-up would. He just he gets into the next uh, point or the next
0: sentence a little quicker than normal. Yeah, interesting to watch. He had a lot of success with it. I remember when I first watched him, I found it very jarring because I hadn't really seen anything like that—just long monologues about yeah. a very political topic or mm-hmm. topical event. And, uh, yeah, people were laughing at it, and I just wasn't used to seeing that. And now, I guess, it's becoming more and more necessary.
1: Yeah, well, Trump did that. I mean, it saved saved Colbert's career. His show was going nowhere until Trump said he was a has-been or no (laughs) talent or whatever. And so, uh, you know, the gloves were off.
0: Biggest way to get famous, get
1: insulted by the president. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what they say. If you want to get famous, start a fight. Hmm. You, you yeah. know, if you want to get a crowd, you know, go the opposite.
0: Yeah. You gotta offend someone famous. Yeah. That's the trick.
1: Yeah. And Trump did it. He went the opposite. He started a fight. Yeah. You know, in 26 2015. <laughs> um I can't believe we're talking about him.
0: <laughs> um, well you yeah. won't have to anymore. It's going forward. It's I uh, can yeah. have jokes about Biden. I can get Biden to insult you and then you can be the next big yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, what was it? He fractured his ankle yesterday, or he had a hairline fracture. Oh, really? I didn't. I
0: haven't heard uh, of
1: that yet. I wonder if the hairline came from another woman. Mm. Uh, see I'm trying. See here. I'm trying to. You can cut this out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to do. I was thinking about. He was. They were joking about him before, where he used to paw at women or stroke their hair, or you know, from behind and uh, it was, you know, a little creepy. Hmm. So that's what I was going for, some association there about hairline.
0: We'll refine it, and then it'll be ready to go in a few
1: months. <laughs> it'll be there. we will fix it in post.
0: Well, that's the one thing that I also found very strange is you see a comedian, and they do a joke, and you're like, ah, that was funny, but that was probably quick. And then when you get into stand-up, you realize that joke probably took months to come up with. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That's be a massaged, tweaked, yeah. perfected,
1: And there's the trick that he or she has learned how to deliver it like it just came off the top of her head. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, it's fascinating. uh, Getting back to Zoom, I'm, you know, uh, I'll be glad when this is over. Um, Like I say, you know, looking in the medicine cabinet and I'm trying to switch the gallery view. (laughs) Um,
0: When the cup's uh, open again. I find it hard
1: to sit uh, on a zoom session for say more than an hour
0: yeah well we can we can start wrapping it up if few no i'm just i'm out.
1: just you know but no i'm just saying this in general like uh i'm sure a lot of people are like that you know i was in a lot of sessions for a while they were three hours long and oh my god i, I just uh i'm fading out here
0: well i find what we're starting to realize for students, at least, is they really they thought that working from home and doing online school would be so much better than being in a class. Yeah, and now they're realizing this is way harder. Yeah, this is and so much tougher without any feedback. Oh, we're social animals,
1: and and I hear with you know some of the clubs that, that reopened and they have uh, you know re- reduced capacity, say maybe twenty five percent or fifty percent of what that, they yeah. of the room but those people are way more enthusiastic than a full room mm,
0: those are committed people coming out they're
1: happy to be there they're outside they're with people you know they're keeping their distance but they're just happy to be outside and they're happy to see entertainment again you know i sort of miss going to the movies yeah um, you know i'm like uh i've watched everything on netflix so i've finished that and uh <laughs> All oh, um, gone. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean, though. Yeah. We thought that we'd have infinite content, and oh, oh no. there's so much, and somehow we have committed our hobby time directly to this yep. online video giant or whatever mm. Facebook or whatever it is, and we've run out of things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and if we can't get it, it's on Amazon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then we gotta look for Amazon, and we realize, oh shoot, we've seen all of those yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I got to invent something else. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why YouTube is still so relevant, it's just because people keep coming up with content. It doesn't require budgets. Yeah,
1: it's and like I say, it's a it's a great platform to get famous, and that's what Jay Leno told a friend of mine, uh, Stevie Ray Fromstein. He used to open for Jay and a few other comics. Jay said, rule number one, get famous. People come to the phone. And that's what he did, you know. And he was able to, at a time when there were, you know, a few clubs, late 70s, early 80s, he was booked every week. He was famous enough to take the gate, you know, like the... And so he would make five to $10,000 a week working a comedy club, where the rest of us are making
0: $125,000. Um, king he was the king okay oh yeah so big i don't think people realize how big he was
1: he was so funny in a club like people are like five feet off their chairs laughing so hard you know uh he just knew how to stir a crowd up and get them going he was a master he's a master
0: yeah
1: Uh, and um but his number one rule was get famous because people come to the phone because johnny carson had told him after about four or five tonight shows that he wasn't funny anymore. I <laughs> can't have you on the show anymore. And Cause he was, he was getting worse and worse. He didn't really know about, he didn't write his own material. I found out later, but, uh-huh. um, or at least in the beginning, he may have written his own material, but, it, uh, it was getting, you know, wasn't as strong every performance. And Johnny's telling him, you know, you're not funny. I can't have you back. Well, for me, if Johnny told me that when well, all right, I'll, I'll just take the tent down and go home. But he just just dug in deeper. He's like, oh, I can't take that. My ego won't
0: allow that to happen.
1: Well, he also had a manager. I didn't know that. And he had some writers. And so he just worked hard and booked the clubs. And, you know, um, he had enough television fame that he could take the gate in a club. So there you go. If you have a huge following on YouTube, you could book any room you want and take the gate.
0: Well, I think there are a few comedians who've done that. I remember there's one called Bo Burnham. Yeah. Um, And he is a Netflix special now, but he started off just a YouTube and then somehow turned that into movies.
1: Yeah. And Netflix signed him because he has a big following. Yeah. There's more subscribers. Yeah. And um, Doug Stanhope is another example. He would four-wall the room, as they say. I think he even did it at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, because he never got booked there. So he'd started the anti festival and, uh, you know, yeah, he was making like two fifty a year, you know, just booking these rooms himself.
0: Yeah.
1: But he had enough of a following that's, so you need the following. You just can't book a room and hope people show up. Right. You have to be, you're a brand.
0: I wonder if that's going to be taught in school someday, how to get famous on YouTube or like this course is a social media, but specifically how to get famous. I wonder if that'll be there.
1: I think they're already out there those courses. Hmm. For $997 you can get my packet of videos on how to be famous.
0: You've yeah. <laughs> um, seen those, but I don't know if I trust those.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean they have content, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like you you have your comedy course and and there's content. It's not like you're just uh, asking people for money and then there's nothing.
0: Girl. No, no. We, put, we try to put some substance in there, but yeah, it's not famous though. It's uh, it's doing okay. It's doing uh, it's mm-hmm. well it's doing as successful as I was hoping it would.
1: Well, it sounds pretty good. I mean, for the you you just started what in the last year, I think.
0: Yeah, I released it a year ago. Um, yeah. Essentially, you just put in all the stuff that I picked up from various courses and mm-hmm. um and experience on stage and compiled all the footage I had on stage and. Snipped that up into pieces, and uh, threw that into an educational um, course there. Um, but I found that the act of trying to explain it was quite useful to coming up with new material going forward after that. Oh yeah, okay. I found that was very interesting.
1: How many how many uh, lessons are there?
0: Uh, I think it's only like fourteen or fifteen, but each video is just a little bit little length. Okay, so there's enough stuff there. I edited it quite content too. So, yeah. it's uh, not long-winded of drawing drawing things out.
1: See how I turn this interview into you.
0: You're welcome. to. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: all those things interest me, but I'm just basically lazy. <laughs> I, I it's weird. I have a lot of knowledge about stand-up, and I should be putting it down somewhere, but I just like talking about it. That's why I'm here today. You know. That's I'll just the same like thing. talking about this stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the nice things about, you've been teaching for quite a few years, and I must be quite exciting seeing all the new comics coming out.
1: It, yeah, it's been about nine years, um, but uh, I'm on hiatus right now, because there's yeah, just no obviously. action going on. And that's fine with me, I needed a break uh, to take care of some personal things. And uh, it is, it's exciting when you see that, you know, when One or two people, sometimes they just come out of nowhere and they've got it, you know. One thing I do notice, people that get it in the first week get worse and worse as the course goes on.
0: You're going to have to struggle.
1: Yeah, they seem to have struck gold early, but then they don't put the work in the rest of the way and try and be better. They were too good to, to start, yeah. Uh, only a handful of cases like that, but um, it's it's a phenomenon I have noticed. If they it's get so around, much
0: work. I don't think people realize how much work it is. Yeah,
1: to... you know, the writing, the writing It's people don't realize how much writing goes in to get that one-liner that works every night. That really is what it's all about, or that joke that works every night, not necessarily one a one-liner. Yeah. And... I often compare it to the Beatles, you know, they were, they were generating two or three songs a day, you know, when they were recording, Yeah. you know, and, and they're all hits, you know?
0: Well, no matter- I mean, if you're generating three a day, you're going to have a lot to choose from.
1: So. Yeah, but they, none of them were discarded, really. They were all songs that are still listened to today, True. you know? A few were so so, like in the early days, they were still in their rock and roll uh, style. But then when they got in more into pop and then more into, I don't know what you want to call it, mystical, you know, from the revolver or rubber soul onwards, it became more autobiographical or more. It wasn't boy meets girl, uh, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back again type of song. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: yeah. You know and they just experimented certainly helped i guess if you had the money <laughs> to to just play around during the day
0: well, it used to be really expensive to make music too nowadays yeah. you can do it at home on your laptop yeah. but, uh,
1: there you go see all with all the tools are there and there are some people you know employing them properly and making money at it and making a living i shouldn't say making money but making a living
0: yeah, you might be. able. you got to get famous, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not about getting rich. It's about doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't Especially get rich comedy. from this. I, I got by, but I enjoy doing it. This beats welding. I'm telling you right now. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Well, you uh, shouldn't go into comedy if you expect to get rich right away. That's just a terrible... Well,
1: they say that about anything, really. Just do what you love and the money will come. And mm-hmm. so I guess I'm just going to keep doing this until I'm 85 when the money finally
0: arrives. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost there. You just got to love it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I did okay back in the late eighties and early nineties. I made a good middle-class income Mm -hmm. for someone who wasn't really famous and just worked Canada. Yeah. I I thought I did. That was pretty good. Um, But then as soon as Jim Carrey got famous, everybody came out of the woodwork. Hey, I want to make 80 grand a year, you know,
0: Get a two million dollar yeah. movie <laughs> deal. I want that. That sounds yeah. good.
1: Mm-hmm. So, because they knew that's how he started, so they all got into stand up.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, what, what, what did you did you enjoy uh, traveling the country?
1: Did you enjoy? Oh, to, I loved it. Uh, yeah. Not too many jobs allow you to go coast to coast to coast.
0: Because I was always the impression is quite lonely traveling, but. It it, can be,
1: it can be, but a lot of times with, say, Yuck Yucks, if I went to Calgary, I'm in a hotel and other comics are staying there. So there's a little bit of a community. Same with Edmonton and Winnipeg. and um, I found Vancouver a little lonely because the locals didn't really hang out. Same Mm -hmm. with Montreal. So you were by yourself a lot during the day um, because the... Like St. Calgary, we would do some one nighters on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So mm. I would be with at least one or two other comedians, and so we would hang out during the day in Medicine Hat.
0: Yeah, it probably helps. You know?
1: And so I saw I saw the whole country. You know, I I never got to Vancouver Island though, just to Vancouver.
0: Mm. No,
1: so technically coast to coast.
0: Yeah, close enough.
1: I've been to St. John's. I've been to uh, the North Pole.
0: I got I good comedy there,
1: eh? <laughs> um, I, We I didn't perform in the North Pole. Where was I? Frobisher Bay. It was a, a junket for some senior citizens back in the early 80s. Huh. And, the, and it was a plane that was a summer solstice, and they were going to fly over the North Pole and never see darkness. It would just be sunlight the whole time, the whole trip, from five in the evening till nine the next morning.
0: Ah. Uh,
1: so we're all on this plane, and I was supposed to perform on the plane.
0: Oh my! That yeah, and so- they
1: didn't—they didn't have a microphone. They just had the handheld thing that the stewardess <laughs> uses. And everybody's drunk. Okay. By the time I'm on it, I just went. Let's have a nice. I forget the name of the airline, but I just said, uh, "And a nice hand for the airline who almost always uses licensed pilots." And, and, I, and that was the—that was my closer. <laughs>
0: That must be quite a show. Is that your most memorable show, Performing on a Flight? That sounds got to be top ten.
1: Well, it's one of those weird top ten weirds, the weird ones. Yeah. The, um, I've had quite a few. I, I opened um, Casino-rama uh, in 1996, and it was, it was in the bar in the casino, but it was an open concept, so the whole casino I could see the whole casino from the stage and I could hear the whole casino from the stage. And back then the machines were very loud. I felt like I was talking into a jet engine. Okay. Couldn't hear the crowd laugh. (laughs) And, but I knew I, I knew I hit, I struck a note when I said, and this was the opening night. I said, the casino has been open 15 minutes now and they've asked me to announce that they've just broken even. (laughs) You know, it's a hundred, $180 million facility. It's, and I saw people in the crowd. I just saw shoulders going up and down laughing because mm-hmm. these are people that have already lost.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was a weird one.
0: Well, casinos regularly use stand comedians. That's a, probably yeah. pretty regular gigs.
1: But they're sectioned off now. But back then it was an open, uh, the, the lounge was open. Yeah. It wasn't enclosed, you know. So that was, that was pretty tough because it was loud, you know, <laughs> pardon me. I got a cough. <coughs> um, well, you yeah, seem
0: to, you seem to, from what I was, uh, what I've been told, the casinos are usually very, um, good paying gigs. Uh, was so like opening up for just a, like a public political figure or someone, but then you have to really tailor your material. Um, I've
1: never done that. I've You're never like a musician or someone at a casino. I've done shows where it's just a comedian's show mm-hmm. in like uh, I think in Sarnia, there's a racetrack casino there and I've done that a few times. It's been a number of years. But it's just a little stage off to the corner and you just perform to like a little section of people that just are taking a break from gambling. And you had to do 2 hours, 2 1-hour sets. And one hour Yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: And then the second hour It's the same people Oh my god What am I going to talk about yeah. What do you do for a living sir What do you do for a living sir what do
0: you do a living? <laughs> Where are you from Yeah who's you this young
1: lady on your wrist
0: Yeah she <laughs> <laughs> your wife yes. I don't
1: recognize her from an hour ago <laughs> 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 um, Yeah there have been strange gigs I never thought about that Yeah um. you have any
0: other top strange
1: well I had an incident in Medicine Hat once where there was a guy he kept heckling and he was drunk and mm-hmm. I just said oh bite me right and I go on with my routine and the guy makes his way through the crowd gets up on stage kneels down and bites my yeah. outer thigh <laughs> through my jeans I'm wearing jeans and
0: oh, no. Oh, no.
1: it freaked me out I went okay that's it the show's over yeah, And I thought the club owner was going to yell at me or something. And he's laughing his head off. <laughs> and I went back to my room and I saw teeth marks
0: oh my on the goodness. skin
1: of my leg. Oh, the skin, no. The skin wasn't broken, fortunately, because now I'm thinking it's out west. I'm going to get some disease. Oh, dear. You
0: know? It's a wild man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh I should put them all together and make it the one gig from hell. <laughs>
0: you know? <laughs> yeah no that, that would be an interesting i mean i guess louis ck did that just documenting his own stand standard experiences
1: yeah mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's um, a little story making trick it just put it doesn't a lot of people they they i they would pick out that one incident where the guy bites my leg and they would make that the whole story no that's just maybe one part of the night yeah there's something else you know the whole crowd was japanese and they didn't speak english and <laughs> Whatever, right?
0: I you had know. a translator. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I'm at a synagogue and I'm Catholic. All right. So <laughs> this is going to be a long night.
0: <laughs> Do you ever uh, have to open up for like a musical act?
1: I did in the beginning at the Elma Combo. I opened for a guy named Bob segarini and I think he's still around. He was a DJ at Q107 for a while. And he had a bit of success around town. Howie Mandel used to open for him too. Wow. uh, Back in the early days. And so he would, he loved comics. So he would give us some, some stage time to do sets. And, um, there's another hell gig. I just realized I, I got booked to open for, uh, Ginger Baker, the drummer from cream at the Alma combo. Never met the man. (laughs) All right. Um, and I'm on stage and apparently he's ill in the dressing room. And so I had to keep stalling and I'm doing like maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. And when I would be like seven years in the business and it was just, I'm still stretching. And so, (laughs) and two guys just got up front and they just leaned into the mic and they went, not funny. And they just left. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Just don't hit my face in the parking lot. Um,
0: you meet some wild characters, for sure. Yeah. Um, I find you do meet some of the very strange, bizarre people at stand-up gigs that you wouldn't meet anywhere else. It seems to attract a certain breed of...
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I never thought of it that way. Um, probably. There are people that think they're supposed to heckle. Mm-hmm. That's... So that's the problem when you make it look like you're just making it up, so they think they're helping, mm-hmm. right? And they're not; they're just interrupting. Yeah, especially when they do it mid sentence. You know, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: very annoying. But if they if they heckle once I've finished my point, I'm okay with that, and I'll just repeat what they say, and that gives me two or three seconds to think of something to come back with. Yeah, and that's where associations pop in. I, I will pick something out of their, what they've said and just have a Rolodex going in my mind about what they've said and then come back with some word. Because I've taken just enough time, some created some tension, I can almost say anything. I could say shoehorn and the audience would laugh because they're waiting for some sort of reaction. Yeah. I'm giving away too
0: many tricks today. So. <laughs> People don't need to take this question anymore. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just watch Um, the podcast to get all the information. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess... Go ahead. Sorry. That's one of the things that I've found is very strange, is reaction videos is, like, the biggest thing on YouTube. It's not so much the content. We like to watch people reacting to other things. Hmm. To me, it's very strange. That's, like, if you want to have millions of views, you make a reaction of something. And that seems to be... Almost okay. as good as the original. Okay. So
1: do you mean like watching a comic and then the audience is reacting? Is that what you're saying? Or it doesn't even just have to anything. be a comic.
0: It's just people reacting to... Situation. Situation. Seems to be people want to watch other people reacting to things.
1: Right. Uh, especially if that person in the video doesn't know what's coming.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. has to be authentic somehow. Yeah.
1: I saw a funny meme a couple of years ago. Remember when Justin Trudeau uh, was doing selfies? Wherever he went, people wanted to see selfies.
0: Oh, no, I'm thinking of the selfies. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And so um, somebody posted him running and with the camera in front of him, but there's a locomotive right behind him. And so I just thought it was a very funny. He had no idea what was coming. on. <laughs> What were you? What were you? Uh, what was the thing you were thinking of? Oh,
0: it's just, I just. I never really understood why that would be so popular, um, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, it's if you were to film a crowd of people watching a stand-up comedian. I mean, I do you find like those shows? W- if you were watching Netflix special, every now and then you'll see cuts to the audience. Yeah. Do you think that's more effective than just watching the comedian? Because the audience think there, has nothing just, to do with it.
1: Well, I think it, it just. Reminds us that there are people watching this, you know, like when you're watching football or hockey now, you can hear the crowd, yeah. but there is no crowd there. Right. Um, so when they cut away, it takes away the illusion mm-hmm. of the people cheering because there's no one there cheering. It's just audio dubbed in.
0: Uh, like, uh, like the Conan O'Brien show, you don't usually see the audience.
1: no. Steven they do a joke about it. They'll have Andy sitting in the crowd, but he's the only one.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Um,
0: or even like the Friends TV show. You don't ever see the audience. You just hear them and assume that they're...
1: Right. And that's why it's very rare we laugh out loud at a sitcom. Have you ever noticed that?
0: It's true. That's right. You smile and go, mm, funny. Yeah. You don't really...
1: Occasionally first. we laugh out loud. But when you watch The Daily Show... Or arrested development, and there is no audience, we're laughing. That's right. But the Daily Show, we know there's a crowd there, and we're laughing. It, it would make me laugh. Jon Stewart would make me laugh three or four times a night out loud. Yeah. You know, um, it's just, yeah, it's that phenomenon of, of an audience,
0: you know. I, I wonder if the laugh track. Improves the show or not, though? Because it's, yeah, you could just have different, some with without, but I wonder is it beneficial to include the audience as part of the show if you were to come up with your own material? Or is it like, I think, I think it's it a good kind of, choice. But.
1: I think it kind of cues the viewer that this is the funny part. In case you didn't get that set up, that was funny. The ending yeah. was funny to that. Whereas yeah. the rest of development, there's no audience, but it's the cuts, the way they cut to the reactions. Of the other character who's affected, yeah, it sort of goes back to what you talked about earlier
0: about reactions. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm always curious to see like what t- what t- tools are people using to come up with mm-hmm. the gag or the bit. Um, the breaking the fourth wall is that like because sometimes use it and it works really well. Like when is a good time to include those sort of things?
1: Right, it's like telling a meta joke. It's about telling a joke about. The type of joke I just told. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of. It has to be really good for me to laugh at. It, <laughs> you know. But Carlin said it best about, you know, to make an audience laugh, you just dress a guy up as an old woman, have her walk down the street, slip on a banana peel and fall down a manhole. <laughs> to make a com- make a comedian laugh, it has to be an old woman. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> so, we're, we are insensitive <laughs> SOBs so.
0: <laughs> I, I really do like that idea of meta kind of jokes of, uh... Uh,
1: yeah but I think you see the audience has to get it. it it comes back to when I was talking about the audience has to know what you're talking about in the first place mm-hmm. and then also yeah, the you risk that. Has to be common knowledge and so um, if they don't realize that you were Doing a joke about uh, about what you were saying in the setup instead of telling a story—that mm-hmm. makes sense. I'm trying to think of an example at the same time as I'm talking, and I can't think of one. You know, but it's a lot thing. like it's a lot like um, uh, you know why did the chicken cross the road? And um, well, how do we know there was a road there to begin with? You know, or if it's a philosopher talking, or it's somebody who's, you know, what I mean—some I mean, abstract, big philosophical yeah.
0: world, mind-bending.
1: Like we don't get what you're talking about. We don't. <laughs> we didn't get. We didn't get why you went off on a tangent.
0: Yeah, you just went off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's almost one of those things you have to read. I'm trying to think of a good example, and I can't come up with one right now. That's—I must be getting old.
0: Well, I, even uh, parodies are essentially that. Whenever you watch a parody, you're making fun of the original.
1: But we have to know what the the parody is being made fun of. Sure, right? it's
0: not as funny. No.
1: It's it's um, yeah.
0: like Matrix parody. You have to have seen the Matrix to get the joke.
1: Well, I remember years ago Louis Anderson was on the Tonight Show, and he did some some. Uh, he said something that was funny. And the girl, the the starlet that was sitting beside him, and she went, "Oh, it's like a joke." It's so she's she's commenting that she's not listening to what the setup and punch was. She's commenting on what he just said is a joke, and it took the audience half a second to, "Why are you saying that?" You know, like mm. it is funny in that way because that's the way she took it she was playing the dumb starlet and nobody got it. Mm. And even Louis Anderson, he took offense to it. He just looked at her. And, okay. Um, oh, there's a better example about that. It'll come to me at 3 a.m., so expect a phone call.
0: Well, even political uh, humor, <laughs> if you don't know the original political event, these jokes yes. will go right over your head. Like, yeah. what? I don't know. News event humor. It only works. <coughs> you relate to the news yeah it's um
1: okay here's an example a friend of mine posted um on the morning they announced that biden had won everybody was posting memes and so a friend of mine posted a meme of trump standing on you know the boat from jaws where they had that long galley and he's standing on that long galley in front and he's doing his dance that he does that he was doing at his uh, rallies, you know, with his fists in the air, looked like he used milk and two cows, right? So he's doing that as the boat, and I just, I just wrote, we're going to need a bigger boot. <laughs> and so, and the phrase, of course, from the movie Jaws is, "We're going to need a bigger boat." When
0: yeah.
1: uh, Roy Scheider sees the size of the shark, right? So we're going to need a bigger boot. As in we got to boot him out. So I'm doing. You have to know that Trump is the guy that refuses to go, even though the ship is sinking. Right. And you Uh, have to know Jaws. Yeah. To combine those two things for them to get. And so all I got was two likes, but anyway,
0: the effort was there. The idea was there Mm -hmm. after the podcast, people will get it. Yes, that's right. They didn't know the connection before. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Sorry. We're open.
0: (laughs) Now yeah. I, I find uh, that's why I could never understand the New Yorker cartoons. I don't know what really. the source content is. I didn't get that's, it. Yeah, you're too young. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm too naive. I don't mm-hmm. know if you get the context here.
1: Um, trying to. There's been great ones over the years, but uh, yeah, I I like the ones that it's a it's a weird looking. Or it's just an ordinary scene, but they've somehow incorporated something that's current today. Or something about this, if it's a scene where the boss is behind the, uh, the desk and the employee sitting in front, it's just a normal scene. But they take something from another context mm-hmm. and write the caption. So the joke is the caption. The picture is the setup. Yeah. Just a normal scene. Yeah. Um, I could find some right now and give you an example.
0: <laughs> well, most of the I, I found I found some books in New Yorker best New Yorker cartoons, and I'm reading them, and I realize I'm too young to understand any of these jokes. Yeah. <laughs> They're all over my head. Well, let's see if I can find. A, well, I,
1: yeah, I'm trying to think of an example that I can give you, so I know what I'm. So you can understand. Here's some. So, uh, here's an airplane boarding. Uh, Just give me a second here. Bear with me. And you can fix this up in post. (laughs) I don't know why, but when I click on pictures, it takes a long time to come up. Mm. Here we go.
0: Are you still clicking in the mirror?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Now I've got to enlarge that (laughs) because I can't see it.
0: Um, I guess cartoons are another outlet for well here it
1: is so here's an example it's so it's it's at the gate at the airport and people are they're making the announcement about boarding it says we'll begin by boarding anyone who needs a little extra time and so it's it's um, you know so now the rest of them know this is going to take longer than expected (laughs) Um, let's see if I can come up with some more here
0: well that that, just in general cartoons are another great outlet for people trying to write comedy Uh, it doesn't work so well on stage but in terms of like content creation it's fantastic Mm -hmm.
1: well if you think about it uh, you know those kind of cartoons in uh, magazines they are set up in punchline yeah you know either the picture is funny so it's, it's like, um, you see a couple sitting on a couch and there's railroad tracks going through, you know, by them. So that's, that's a fractured scene, as they would say. And so you come up with a caption and it's usually something to do with, you know, they said your house value would go up when the
0: railroad came through. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Herman, kind uh, of, I don't know if you ever read Herman, um, Yeah, those kind of jokes. Those are those are great. Far Side was great. Far Side, Far Side is fantastic,
1: and it really made you think sometimes.
0: Those were actually very funny. I remember picking those up. That wasn't like a New Yorker though. You could understand everything within the context of the the picture.
1: Yeah, well, here's a here's a picture I'm looking at uh, right now from the New Yorker, and it's um, a woman in a skirt, a mother. With her purse and they're in a museum art museum and there's a little boy and she's talking to the little boy and so it's just a normal scene there you know and so we hear the whole story as soon as we see the punchline is like instead of it sucks you could say it doesn't speak to me mm-hmm. all right um and so um one more uh So we see a picture here's a picture where it's not normal. We see the boss behind the desk and the employee on the other side in a chair. but we see wrinkled papers, you know, bunched up papers all over the place, and the boss is saying, "Well, Stoddard, I think I've bounced enough ideas off you for one day." So he's just doing a play on words there, but we can see it physically.
0: yeah
1: anyway, that's my little take on uh on pictures.
0: Yeah, Well I that uh, uh, Definitely something that uh, Well whenever I was When I was I picked up the car- The newspaper Going up I didn't care about yeah. the, Any of the content I wanted the cartoons At the back That's what I gave a name about Yeah so, it's funny But stuff.
1: most of those Comic strips We're watching a, It's like we're watching A film Right Whereas I like the The one picture With mm-hmm. a caption Because um, it tells you everything The whole thing's there Yeah Instead of leading us up to what happens There's nothing wrong with that I'm just saying that's my favorite Genre of cartoons
0: You want the one-liner cartoon
1: Yeah, I guess so, yeah, yeah. set up and punch
0: Set up, punch, bam, bam
1: Yeah, Never thought of it until right now There there it is Just taught you some (laughs) (laughs) That'll be $10, is that what you're saying? Invoice
0: (sighs) Uh, Well, we're coming to an end But uh, do you want to talk about uh, The 2020 show in the dark? Uh, anything like that? I don't know what that is. Oh, I believe that was, uh, okay, maybe I'm mistaken. I think it was on your IMBD or something. Nope.
1: Oh, Oh, in the dark. Okay. You know what? I was there for about 45 minutes. I played a policeman and I was gone. That's how fast they filmed it. (laughs) Okay. I've never seen or heard Light of Day from it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, It was a made-for-TV Uh, Either a series or a movie of the week Or something And I couldn't even tell you who's in it But the the funny thing was The director looked a lot like um, What's the guy from Portlandia Um, uh, He was on Saturday Night Live He did Prince, he used to do Impression of Prince And uh, he's in uh, You don't know who I'm talking about? No, I'm not, I'm too young (laughs) <laughs> wow! No, but he was on—he was on Saturday Night Live recently. Oh, okay. But he did the show called Portlandia, yeah. and now I got to look it up. Yeah, you're gonna have to edit something out here. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, just a uh, time into like the editing. Oh, well, we're gonna be back up. We're gonna cut that. We'll be back up to the. Actually, yeah, a friend of mine was um coming up with um, a suggestion for a YouTube video series. Mm-hmm. where it's making fun of how YouTube comedians are always going to say subscribe subscribe um, before you do anything else make sure you subscribe to this video and you said why don't we just make a video where there's no content the whole video is subscribe and the <laughs> next video is make sure we're going to talk about this topic but just before uh, make sure to subscribe and then never show the actual topic
1: well there's that could that's close to an example of uh, meta joke yeah doing a joke about the the joke, you know.
0: Yeah. And if you act now. Yeah, yeah, if you act now. your next episode. Sure <laughs> if you want more content like this, make sure you subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> For $97 a month. <laughs> you can get full access to all of our high-quality content.
1: Yeah. Uh, Fred Armisen.
0: Mm, yes.
1: Is his name. And why did I bring that up? What were we talking about? Um, that's who the director looked like. And and I came close to going, seriously, why aren't you telling everybody you're Fred Armisen? (laughs) But he was a a really nice guy. I couldn't tell you his name, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was such a quick shoot. It was one of the quickest shoots I've ever been on, which is great because it can be very boring on the set when you're there all day in there. Especially on on a theatrical film. They want to get the shot just right because film is that it's very expensive to do and they only have one chance at this they can't you know when they get to editing they can't go back to the set and and refilm it Um, unless somebody's been up on sexual charges and then they have to get somebody else to replace that actor
0: (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, well, I have I have no idea why I went that way, but anyway.
0: <laughs> with that mentioned, <laughs> uh, is there? Yeah, I mean we we've been going on long enough. Is there anything? Um, any other things you want to promote? Um, no, I'm.
1: That? You know, I I I should be. I mean, that's that's what doing these things is all about is yeah, plugging I mean, something. Sure. But yeah. I have no book. Um, I'm reading books.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's the same thing. <laughs> 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 it's almost as good. Yeah. books I'm reading. <laughs> uh,
1: I do feel it is it is important if you're starting out in comedy today to be on the same footing as anybody else is to at least have some knowledge of what how to do it. And that's where courses come in really well, really handy. They're not going to make you a star, but they will give you enough confidence and enough footing to Jettison forward in the business, figuring out your own voice and and maybe your own way of doing it differently that no one thought of. But you have that base. Yeah, And so that's why I taught. You know, I didn't have any courses or even books when I first started. It was it all exist? on intuition and instinct. I had been watching a lot of comedy. I used to watch Red Skelton and Ed Sullivan, all the comics on Ed Sullivan. And uh, and and stand up and and buy a lot of albums. Carlin, listen Ging to the guys. Yeah. Uh, Robert Klein was one of my early favorites. He was like a uh, collegiate version of George Carlin. Mm. You know, wore a nice corduroy jacket and a shirt and tie. Yeah. yeah very collegiate looking, very smart. Um, if you if you get a chance, I always feel that comics starting out today should listen to him or, or watch him I I really got experience from listening to him he has a great voice and a great delivery and Robert Klein just uh, he makes you think and makes you laugh at the same time you know so
0: shout and out out getting to him. satisfied yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but the rhythm and the timing and he, he um, and he was one of the first to break away from the old mother-in-law school jokes you know from the 50s um and I'm still still trying to remember that comedian's name from earlier that I mentioned, but I can't remember it now.
0: It'll I should go back to, to IMDB. Yeah. It'll come to you and then you'll bring it up and then, uh, yeah. two months there, there will be a phone call at three AM. <laughs> uh that's when it usually comes to me. Stick it in the credit in the video. He meant to say this name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going through the alphabet right now in my head. <laughs> uh Alan King. Alan King. Alan King, uh, Great storyteller. And he had one-liners, too. He said, uh, you know, I wanted to go to med school, but a few things kept me, uh, got in the way. Uh, physics, biology, chemistry, you know. Uh, he was quick that way. I liked Reading. It, I yeah, I love those jokes. And he, I don't know if, if in the age of woke, I don't know if this is correct or not, but He had a great joke that he would do with his family when they went to a Sunday dinner at a Chinese restaurant. And I would do this with my kids, too. I'd open up the fortune cookie, and I'd say, help, I'm a prisoner in a Chinese bakery.
0: (laughs) I had a um, magazine with one of those. It was a print out fake fortune cookies that you were supposed to make your own fortune cookies with and slip those in.
1: Well, once I had, I opened it up, and it said, a ton of golf will follow you. (laughs) So it was a typo. It should have been a ton of gold. And my friend goes, yeah. And the next day, Arnold Palmer shows up, you know, or Sam Snead. He was picturing a heavy golfer. And he says, yeah, the next day, <laughs> Sam Snead showed up.
0: <laughs> Watch out, golf's coming. Oh, they got... yeah. A ton
1: of golf. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was Gary Shandling had a good one. And so my kids, when they were younger, they laughed at this one because of the language. I'd open it up and I'd say uh i peed in your rice. <laughs> 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 and so a 10-year-old kid thinks that's hilarious cuz their mm. dad just said pee.
0: Yeah. It's uh, the one joke that relates to all ages is pee and poo jokes. Somehow oh yeah. Works.
1: Yeah. It's it's uh Pee-poo and that's part. why a lot of us go that route. We go mm. to some sort of bodily function as our yeah. punchline. But there's if we just think a little harder it could be something that elevates your joke writing
0: something beyond the fart. Yeah. I
1: mean, and, and in fact, sometimes a bodily function punchline, the audience will go, well, yeah, I've, I've heard a version of that. Mm. You know, it's been done, but it's when you original. come out of the, it's when you come out of the blue, but it's still related to what you're talking about. It's mm. not out of left field. That's not what I mean, but it's something is just, you took it a step higher Instead of just going for base, your mm-hmm. first thought. Well, just think a bit more and see what else there could be.
0: Yeah, humor doesn't really work if it sounds like they've heard it before. It really has to be original. Yeah.
1: But I guess, I'm, I guess I'm talking about, you know, if you're talking about sex or bodily function, it's been done to death, first of
0: all. It still has to be a new take, though. You can't say the same take Exactly, on it yeah. It won't work.
1: But a lot of us don't realize it's not a new take. We think, oh, we've come up with something new. And we do. There's it. no
0: ways, right.
1: yeah. You know, and so people just—they're uh, proud that they came up with a joke. And my mantra has always been: never accept the first thing that comes out of your head.
0: Write mm. twenty uh, variations, and
1: <laughs> yeah, or or at least one, <laughs> at least mm-hmm. one other one. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's good to see if you can write, you know, nine more punchlines. Yeah. Okay. Well if you do that often enough, by the sixth one you're gonna you it just might be gold. <laughs> but if you hadn't done it you wouldn't have found it.
0: Yeah. You may I, as well. You yeah. can only make it better, it can't get worse.
1: Well, if you're a writer, that's what writers do. They write more than they need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've been going quite a while, but uh thank you so much for being on the show. And um
1: Well, I've been great. You gotta go. That's how I end all my shows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. It was, it was a pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me too. being good to be back in touch.
1: I hope the listener is still awake. <laughs> ah, see right there. <laughs> a little bit of put-down humor, <laughs> and uh, yeah, good to see you again. I know people at home uh, don't see us, but you and I can see each
0: other right now. Yeah. That's the important part. Okay, everyone. It's been uh, Jim McAleese on Chester Casco. Have a great night, everyone. You got it.